Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. Quintessential podcast spinning across the country. One thing I think is really important this year is that we support the new Division I programs. A couple weeks ago, we had Jimmy Lang of Lindenwood on. Today, we welcome in Chris Panos, head coach of Queens. Uh, D1 program now taking a step up from D2. Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, coming off a, a close loss to VMI last week, and they'll play Hampton on Sunday at Hampton. Uh, Coach, uh, first of all, congratulations. And, and uh, what's, what's it been like so far this spring? Uh, thanks, Quinn. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been exciting, obviously. Anxious moments, certainly, uh, you know, an opportunity for our program for exposure and notoriety. And, and we're super excited to have this, uh, this blueprint in place for us here in Charlotte at Queens. So we go back uh, late 90s, 1998, actually. You, you were uh, a member of the Baltimore Thunder. I was a practice player, uh, a guy who was invited to, to play with the team because they needed more bodies to go full court. And I remember the first time I watched you play, you had that green jersey. And I was like, who's the lefty Canadian? No, he, he's a lefty, but he's not from Canada. He's, he's from Hofstra via Sachem. Uh, you ended up playing in that league. I can't believe how long you played in that league. You played in that league more than a decade. Uh, it seemed like you were just driven to play pro lacrosse at that time. Take the fans back to like what it was like for you to play in, I don't know, did you end up playing Boston, Baltimore, Buffalo, Colorado, I think, maybe even Chicago? Like you played everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. It, it was an interesting uh, sequence of events, obviously, with the growth of the sport and obviously not many Americans making that kind of lineage to the league. So so really, for me, it was uh, I got to give credit to Rodney Tapp and, and Marty O'Neill uh, when I got picked up by the Boston Blazers back in 97 in the old MILL draft. You know, first round, fourth overall, you're thinking, you know, you're going to make all this money and, and literally you got to go make the team and, and maybe dress in a game and maybe get a couple bucks. So for me, I guess the, the passion was always there growing up in the Gate Brothers are sort of like my idols kind of looking and trying to emulate their gameplay and then like Tommy Marichek, guys of that nature. So the skill set, just the determination and the ferocity of those guys kind of driven me to be maybe a pioneer, if you will, as an American to maybe take my talents to north of the border and kind of see if I could actually make a name for myself. So and that's really what I did. And I probably wouldn't have had the, the tenure of the career I did if I didn't go back and forth in the summers to really garner my game and, and, and the physicality and the skills and just more experience in the box game. So uh, fortunately or unfortunately been a part of probably five or six franchises that kind of folded. When you look at, when you look at my, my kind of career, you see all these teams. It's like, you know, why did you go to all these different places? Personally, I would love to stay in one place, just the way the growth, obviously the topsy turvy of the, the single ownership entities at the time. And just really just having those guys kind of branch out the league. Some, some did well, some did not. And you can kind of see how that, that went over the, over the years, but uh, I just kept plugging away and, for me, it was just going up in Canada, keep getting better, keep getting better, you know, trying to get to these training camps and then uh, obviously looking for those contracts, albeit one year contracts, try to put, produce and, and do well and, and, and be successful. So your top 10 uh, historically in terms of American scoring in, in, in the box game and, and you got to see the country. Like I, I look at these places, Anaheim, uh, Calgary, and you mentioned going up to Canada. What what 
what drove you to go up to Canada at a time where not many Americans were going up there? Honestly, I was just trying to, I was more of an identity crisis at the time because you finish college, you're kind of trying to find your way. And it's like, I felt like I still had a lot of gas in the tank. And, and it was an opportunity really with Randy Frazier, a longtime friend of mine. And his dad at the time was a coach, Ron Frazier. And, and they took, they took a stab at me uh, early in the first round. And uh, for me, it was just trying to get into the lineup, you know, you know, driving back and forth at the time with Tony Millen from New York to Boston, just to practice during the week and then come back. Uh, the sacrifices and the discipline it took. So for me, you know, again, to your point of looking at all the places I've lived, I, I pinch myself and people say, how'd you do it? When you go all these different places, how do you do it? You just find a way. You just Tony find Millen, a way. what a classic. You drove up to Boston for practice with Tony. I got roomed with Tony in 99, the one trip we made up to Toronto when we played in uh, Maple Leaf Garden. And that's all the whole weekend. I never saw him. He like showed up at 4 a.m. And, and slept while when, when I woke up. Tony Millen, a classic. Uh, Hofstra, you got a lot of Hofstra's produced a lot of coaches now who played for Coach Donowski. Well, uh, talk about the impact. What impact did John Donowski have on you now uh, as a leader of young men? Oh, tremendous. I mean, we, we still communicate often. I'm thankful and blessed that he took a chance on me and sort of a Long Island guy going to all those games as a kid with my dad. It was like father son night every time we would go and just trying to just look at really at the time I was trying to go to those other schools to kind of get away from mom and dad. And I was getting recruited, but at the end of the day, it made more sense to stay closer home. I could be you know close enough to Holbrook and Sachin where I could come back. My parents could see me play, get a bite to eat on Sundays and still be away enough to grow. And, and coach Danowski afforded me that opportunity and, and forever grateful for that relationship. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at back in 92 to 96, I mean, we're just kind of more of a conservative team. You know, obviously the, the program's grown in, in leaps and bounds. And, and Coach Tierney was on the staff at the time, Coach Wilson, Bill Wilson, uh, Chris Colbeck. So just a lot of guys that I have nothing but respect and gratitude for over the years and, and still stay in touch. Within the last two months we've talked to, you're the third Sachem alum we've talked to. Brian Breck, the Rutgers, Joe Amplo at Navy, and, and, and now you. There's got to be something in the water out there in Suffolk County that, that have, has kept you guys in, in, in the game. What, what are, what are the common threads that you share with those coaches? I mean, I would say I would have to start with coach Rick Mercurio. Uh, obviously he was our high school coach and just ever since I was in Peewee there in the youth programs and just my, my goal was to always make the varsity. And just every time I would see him, it would just always be smiles and, 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 and graciousness. Um, coach Tony Patillo as well. He went to Hofstra defensive coordinator at, uh, at hot Sachem. And just another guy. In fact, he reached out to me two days ago after the BMI. And he was like, man, he's like looking at the stats. He's like, you would have thought you would have won that game. And it was just like to have him reach out after all the years just means a lot that they're following me. I, I follow Coach Mercurio on his broadcast with the Big Ten Network. Uh, obviously, Coach Brecht and Coach Amplo, uh, just great relationship with those guys. And uh, just super proud to be part of the Sachin program. Tony and Rich Patillo uh, ended up crossing over and coaching some football in Limbrook. Uh, Rick Mercurio, what a classic. Bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. Uh, one of my favorite guys. Uh, that's why I love, love calling Rutgers game to, bunch in, uh, to bump into Coach Mercurio. Uh, so when you're all done playing, uh, now, now you want to stay in the game. Uh, you coached at the club in the high school level before being an assistant at Tampa before this gig. But uh, what was your mindset in terms of staying in the sport? Yeah, you know, I bounced around and kind of I was up in Seattle. Uh, my daughter uh, lives in Victoria, British Columbia. She's 22. Actually, in three days, she'll be 22. So just looking forward to, to letting her know how much I love her there. 
but I would say just for me, um, you know, just having the ability to impact kids and, and grow the game and, and different non-traditional markets for me, I've been in different places where, you know, kids are just introducing the sport. And for me, that was, that was my give back reward um, for the game that gave me so much. And, you know, obviously we don't make a lot of money. We put a, a hundreds of hours into the, to the programs and the kids, but at the end of the day, you know, my reward is the, is the graduation is the relationship business and, and the ability to stay connected with these kids. So regardless of where I've been, um, you know, for me, uh, Coach Whipple gave me the opportunity to, to coach college. I felt like that was just my next calling uh, outside of high school. I felt I wanted a bigger challenge. I moved from California to Tampa uh, for peanuts uh, just because I wanted to do it. And I love it and I'm passionate about it. So that didn't matter to me. And just the success I had there afforded me the opportunity to kind of grow my role uh, and just, you know, upgrade my career. And then when the opportunity presented itself at Queens as an assistant, it was a full-time opportunity, uh, kind of ran with that with coach Chris Kiblin at the time. And then, um, you know, he stepped away from the game and then kind of an opportunity kind of as an interim role, I did well there. And then, and then, uh, Sherry Swarth our athletic director, uh, gave me the opportunity to take over the program and, and, you know, I'm going into my, well, this is my seventh year now. Um, so I'm excited for the growth in the future. 2018, your first year, last year, you guys were Calvin five. You mentioned Tampa. I was down there a couple of winters ago, covering a bowl game and Auburn practiced at Tampa. And I'm walking around the fields, walking around campus, and I'm just like, holy crap, this place is unbelievable. It's a nice little campus. There's some water. Downtown's pretty close. Uh, the fields were immaculate and just plush grass. The sun was out. I'm like, man, this, this is something else. So uh, I, I can understand why Tampa's having success recruiting lacrosse athletes. Uh, tell me about Queens. Uh, I travel to Charlotte a lot. Uh, ESPN's got an office down there that I used to travel to quite a bit, a studio. Uh, Queens is in what, South Charlotte, you would call that? A little south of downtown or yeah, uptown yeah. to downtown? I, I always get it confused. Yeah. What's uptown? It's like, what's downtown? It's like uptown. Uh, if you say downtown in Manhattan, it's like uh, uptown Charlotte. It's, it's, it's still the city corridor. Uh, it's the 15th largest city. It's a great, you know, it's a great place for networking and internships and opportunity, quite frankly. Tons of Fortune 500 companies, and we're nestled in a, a beautiful Myers Park. It's probably one of the most affluent areas in the United States. I would I would attribute it to maybe like like a like a Manhasset style of a, of a neighborhood. Um, obviously, just sprawling houses and beautiful trees, but yet we're a stone's throw away from the 15th largest city. So we're and it's the second largest city behind you know banking city behind New York. So obviously, you know the banking industry is tremendous here. Our McCall School of Business at Queens is outstanding. A lot of about 60% of our guys are in the finance, accounting, kind of sports management programming, which has been great for us in terms of recruiting and just again the opportunity to give our student athletes a chance to grow and experience the uptown life. Uh, the cost of living is is getting up there, but it's certainly not where it is up in you know up in New York and stuff like that. So I think we have a lot of things to offer. Um, at the end of the day, you know, great school, awesome location. We're in the A Sun Division One. Um, you know, you get all four seasons, if you will. We got a lot of things going here, so I think it's very enticing. You know, after 9-11, Charlotte uh, hit this boom with a lot of those financial companies relocating parts of their business to Charlotte. And I, I remember over time with those Northeast transfers came introduction of the sport of lacrosse. Quite honestly, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was very little lacrosse in Charlotte. And then all of a sudden, there are leagues popping up. Then there's club teams popping up. And now high school teams are getting really good there. Uh, in terms of your recruiting thumbprint, uh, do you sense that Queens got to pick up guys from the state of North Carolina or, or are you going to go far and wide? 
Yeah, great question. I mean, at this point, if you kind of look at our roster and over the years, we've been pretty diverse in that factor. Uh, you know, I've got kids from all over the United States, West Coast, we got all, pro, you know, across Canada. Um, but certainly, I think the big thing now is a division one. I think now that we're in the backyard of some of these premier, you know, high school programs in North Carolina, I think they're going to give us a second look now just because we are a division one program. We are located in Charlotte. We're not too far away from mom and dad regionally. The, the airport, you know, we're six miles from the airport. You're in and out in 15, 20 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that are, you know, exciting for, for somebody to consider it. Uh, and, and again, we're in the ASUN. So now our conversations are a little differently than they were a year ago. Uh, again, the SAC was a great conference, certainly fortunate to be a part of that. But obviously when you're stepping into, you know, you got Pac-12 teams, service academies, and now kids are like, well, if I can't go there, maybe I can go here and play against them and still be on the big stage. So I think those are things that, are, again, that matter to kids now. We're talking to Chris Panos, head coach, Queens University. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the listeners who, who have been with us now for, for this past year. Thank Dr. Z, who's our, our technical specialist. Uh, this week is, is a big week. The Ivy League's in action. Basically, every team in the country is in action. Queens is at Hampton on Sunday. We've got TV action uh, on Friday. Duke and Denver face off four on ESPNU. And if you're listening, I, I'm, I'm guessing you have the app because the ESPN app gets you, gets you so, much, so many lacrosse games. You think about Lindenwood's playing LIU, Hobart, Lehigh, you got Harvard, Virginia, Rutgers Army, Hopkins Loyola on Saturday. So if you're a lacrosse fan, you got to get that ESPN app. I, I found myself, Coach, watching teams that I normally wouldn't watch this year. I, I watched uh, Mary Mack play Holy Cross the other day. I was watching uh, just, just games that in the past you don't get the opportunity to see, and I think it's wonderful for fans and for recruits. You know, it, it, it's, it's got to be a tool. you got a game on ESPN Plus or, or another web stream. It's a way you can show a recruit, hey, check us out. You know, we need help. At mid we need help at midfield. Tell me about uh, going Division One. Why did Queens uh, think that it's uh, a good decision or viable or exciting to uh, to raise up? And and uh, you guys had some success at the D two level. Why is Division One the fit? Yeah, great question. I think this is more university driven. Certainly, we're excited to be part of the transition. But I would say more importantly. You know, the university saw an opportunity in a niche sort of market in terms of being the only private Division One school within the city limits of Charlotte, albeit you have UNC Charlotte, who is, is certainly a public Division One institution. However, it's on the outskirts of the city, so to speak. So when you're talking about sort of in the city or uptown, if you will, like we're right in the mix there. So I think they wanted to really capitalize on the marketing ability there and just the strategic framework of the vision of what they want to do with athletics, as well as the university to boost just the regular and enrollment, similar to like a Davidson blueprint, you know, maybe like a 3000 student body. And then that would that would just help, you know, the school grow, but not too much to kind of keep that cachet of a smaller private institution. However, our location is key. So I think they wanted to, you know, basically double down on that. And, and again, with with the sports aspect and the ability to market there, the ESPN plus coverage, all those things, to your point, it's, it's great for recruiting. It's great for exposure. And in fact, I found myself Saturday, just, I literally, cause we played Friday and I'm doing things for our team, but I literally, I watched like six games. Cause I was like, Oh, let me take a peek here for a quarter. Let me take a peek over here for a quarter. And just like, kind of just see, and it's really cool. And it's so awesome for the sport. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for ESPN. Yeah. I, I, what I love about the app, again, I'm, I'm learning about, typically mid-tier teams or, or, or lower-tier teams that I typically wouldn't get to watch. Uh, and, and, and their games are on now. And, and so it's fascinating to find good players who play for those programs, to see different strategies that are being employed. And, and I, I think it, it's a must-have if you're a lacrosse fan. 
what are expectations for your program? You, you put this thing on a timeline. Uh, you know, how do you approach year one? There's, I'm sure there's significant challenges year one, but, but what, are the, what are the expectations for, for Queens as a D1 LAX program? Yeah, great question. I mean, obviously, you know, our first thing is obviously, um, you know, academics first and foremost. We had a tremendous fall. We're, we're, we're doubling down there as well. And that's always our number one focal point. Uh, just, you know, I think our expectations was the continuity and the cohesiveness of our team. We, we put extra emphasis on our team building. We had a little bit of attrition to be expected, but nonetheless, we, we got a full full group of guys locked in and, and we're excited for our roster. Expectation wise, I would say, you know, again, with a 10 team ASUN conference, um, you know, I'd like to get a seat. I'd like to earn a seat at the table, if you will, out of this, you know, being the top six and then kind of raise the stakes there. Um, we're predicted 10th out of 10. That's fine with us. We, we, we don't mind that. And, and we, we certainly need to earn every bit of that. So, you know, starting off our out of conference with Navy, great opportunity to kind of get beat up a little bit and kind of just expose us. And uh, we hung around for a little, just a little confidence builder there, but nonetheless came up on the short end of that, but that was sort of intentional scheduling. Uh, and then with regards to VMI, again, a team on the ups, uprise, you know, strong, talented, and we felt that we could kind of just hang with those guys, and just give ourselves the chance to kind of be in the fight. And, and as you saw that game, it was a close one. So we're, we're looking for this week to really maybe be the, the next step forward for our program. And, uh, you know, the expectation is the next man up mentality, you know, with injury comes opportunity. We've certainly had some of that. But I think our coaching staff, our players and, and everybody involved is excited to just the next game. We're, you know, we're going up to Hampton, nothing but respect for, for Chaz and his program. And, you know, again, another unique cultural opportunity and experience for our players to kind of just see an HBCU um, and, you know, to, to be on the grand stage with those folks as well. Yeah, I was there for that Hampton day when, when they started their program uh, years ago. Uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. The A-Sun, uh, to me, it's, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful league because it, it, it's welcoming all programs. And you look at the geographical diversity of the league. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Robert Morris in Pittsburgh, Mercer's down in near Atlanta, Air Force is out West, Bellarmine, uh, Jacksonville's in Florida, obviously Utah, Cleveland State, Detroit, Mercy, Lindenwood, and you guys in Charlotte. That's unbelievable. Now, the, the downside is travel budgets. Uh, the, the, the upside is though, you got administrators who now like you're, you're going for an NCAA bid. There, there's a possibility everyone in your league is, is live to make the NCAA tournament. And that wasn't always the case. It didn't seem years ago. What do you see as the main benefits of, of the ASUN? Well, again, for us, just the exposure, as you mentioned, you're looking at all those great universities. Um, it gives our guys the ability to go to those places that you, you see on TV. It's like, oh, wow, I get to go there. And, and, and again, we can showcase what we have at Queens and Charlotte. Um, you know, again, you're, you're measuring yourself against some of the premier programs in the country, uh, outstanding coaches, great players. Um, the scheduling's awesome. You know, when, I think when you look at this particular schedule and you do look at it from top to bottom, it's, it's like, it's like the national conference. Um, when you look at the other ones, it's like more regional when you, when you touch on the financial, uh, constraints of going to these places for us, it's very challenging. Um, we have travel rosters. We were very conservative in our first year, just because, these are unforeseen expenditures with hotels and flights and extra food and, and things of that nature. So I think for us, it's just we're, we're trying to do the best we can, provide the best experience for our for our student athletes. And, and obviously our schedule is exciting and we're kind of just looking to get through this out of conference slate and kind of see where we stack up and then obviously get excited for for our home game when we uh, welcome Air Force for our first ASUN game. Hampton on Sunday. Uh, coming off the uh, tough, tough uh, setback to VMI by a goal, a game that uh, you know came down to the 
the bitter end, obviously. Well, tell me about your team. Who, who, who do you like when I plug you guys in and, and watch on tape? Who, who, who are the, who are the main uh, playmakers on offense? Yeah. I mean, we got a plethora of guys. Obviously I can start up front on the offense, you know, Micah Steckmiller, he scored our first uh, division one goal uh, at Navy um, coming off an ACL. I'm super proud of him. He's an outstanding attackman, kind of your prototypical ex attackman um, can score and dish, uh, you know, Jack Royer coming off a 50 point season last year on the right attack from Edmonton, outstanding player played in the Minto cup. Uh, Bennett Smith, uh, short stick D midi. He's, he's probably a top 15 NLL prospect. He's an absolute stud. Uh, Matt Abbott as well, another big righty SSDM from Canada, um, just kind of locked down tough defensive players. And then, uh, you know, defensively, Logan Murray from Colorado, great player there, uh, goaltending wise, still a battle. Um, you know that all too well in the goal, but it's just like we're trying to we're trying to figure out who the guy is and, and it may be a tandem. But, you know, we got uh, Will Powley and Wesley. Wheat. We also have Gage Turner, who was a transfer from Randolph Macon. So we're kind of trying to massage that in, in, in these coming weeks that you kind of see if anybody emerges in that department. I get the sense that you've got connections from all the time you spent uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest and uh, up in Toronto, uh, that you've got a lot of former teammates who probably are coaching. Uh, is, is that accurate? And, and should we expect to see you pull from Canada? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, I think the, you know, now we're going to different events, more non-traditional markets. I think we just signed for 2023 in the last couple of days, we just signed two kids from modern day. I mean, out in California, it's like, you think of them, you think of football and it's like, all of a sudden they're, they're a top 25 national lacrosse program. And it's like, they often get overlooked. I'm looking at these big, strong athletes that can play. And I'm like, hair flying out of the back and helmet. I'm like, why is this guy up still available? And I'm like, I'm pinching myself. So, you know, the recruiting aspect for us is we're, we're going to scour the lands. Um, we're going to leave no stone unturned, so to speak, so we can bring in the right quality uh, individual that kind of matches our blueprint, which is, you know, strong character, high level of accountability, attention to detail, strong work ethic, just someone who's reliable and responsible and just an ultimate, you know, great teammate. One thing about you, Chris, you, you were always, uh, you were driven. You, you could have, uh, you know, hung up the stick after Hofstra. You played indoor. You got good. You loved it. And 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 you kept going. There's a certain hunger uh, about, you know, you're always early to practice, always putting in the extra time, the skill work, always willing to learn from a Gary Gator or, or a Paul Gator or a John Tavares. Uh, those those uh, those traits, how, how do you find them when, when you're recruiting young men? How, how do you find those intrinsic traits I can see how big and tall and fast the guy is I see him score right-handed down the alley or I see him cover another good guy I get that but I don't know what's inside how, how do you do the work to, to find out what's inside these guys that's an incredible question and it's a daunting task there's no doubt because everybody's highlight films are great and, and you get the recommendations and everybody checks the boxes I think I think it's part of the recruiting is honestly building the relationships the communication piece the touching points with the kids the parents the high school coaches, I would say a little more than the club coach, only because they're seeing them on a regular basis. I think that that consistency of the work ethic approach to the high school kid, as opposed to the club coach, where it's like he comes on Saturday and Sunday and it's like he does an all right job, but like I don't really know what he does during the week. The high school coach probably has a better pulse of like, hey, like Johnny's in the weight room like at 6 a.m. or, you know, he's over here doing skill work. So. It's just taking notes, being diligent, trusting your instincts. I mean, I, I I try to lean on my coaches as well, my staff to kind of be like, hey, like, what do you guys think? Because we got to look at this kid for the next few years and we got to be happy about it or we're going to look at each other and be sad about it. So as much information as we can get, I would say, obviously, the motor, how a guy competes, the, the quality of competition and who they're playing against, um, those things factor in. Uh, I would say a uh, dual sport, three sport, like guys that wrestle football, I kind of like that a little just because they're, they're banging guys. 
um, the physicality component. It, it, it's so many different things. Um, and at the end of the day, you just, you gotta, you gotta get lucky sometimes. Um, it's not an exact science by any means, but I feel like, uh, the more eyes you can get on them, uh, outside of just the videotape, you can get live scouting and kind of see what they do on the sidelines, their body language, mechanics, how they treat their teammates, how they approach their coaches. I think all those little details that sometimes kids don't realize are being watched and looked at that those sometimes I cross kids off just because certain things I see and I'm like, that's not going to work for us. And for us yeah. yeah, no. And, and that's, that's not, that's uh, not uncommon. You know, I, I remember when I was coaching at Boys Latin and Jeff Tambroni would come by and, he, you know, he could see who our best players were. But he always asked Coach Robert, like, who's your hardest worker? Uh, and I'm like, well, we got this kid who lifts weights after every practice. Like, he's got uncommon work ethic. Well, he ends up going to Cornell and, and, and being a captain there. The same. So it's those kids, I think, that too often fall through the cracks and they're out there. Uh, they may not show as well at some of these events, but they're going to add tremendous value to your team. Do you, do you feel in the shift from D2 to D1, is, is there a work ethic commitment? Like, is that all the same or, or, or is there a ramping up now? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I would say that's a great question. I would say that we're doing a lot of the things that we've done in the past. I would just say that I think there's just more competition involved. Uh, I would say, just some of the things that we're honing in on that maybe we didn't do in the past, just a higher level of skill fundamentals, more video work, just to really break down mistakes and kind of show guys on the field. Like, how do we get to this speed clearing aspects, th certain things that we need to really up the ante outside of the, obviously the difference of speed, skill um, and physicality level. But, um, you know, I think we were in a pretty good spot with, in terms of our winning mindset, we've been successful. Uh, we've been competitive stepping up our game now in the division one landscape obviously we're, we're gonna we're gonna face our challenges but there's there's no there's no other way to do it than just jump in the fight and, and we're excited to see kind of how the rest of the season plays out the queen's royals who who's rex 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 is our mascot uh rex is a stud and uh you know what is he, he a lion or something it's a lion yeah yeah uh purple or blue well it's we're blue. royal blue white royal. And, and and a bit of vegas gold in there does Rex have any handle? Can he catch and throw? You got to get him. Well, we're going to have to get him out. Probably the goalie stick right now. Let's start him out with the goalie stick with that big uh, mascot head. I'm not sure. Uh, Lee Corso might have to throw that thing on. <laughs> hey, no, that that's good for me. I, I can use I can use that mascot down the road here. We we got we got to set something up when you guys get a couple W's and people start to talk about it. That would be that would be good for one of our shows to show up uh, with with Rex's head. That would be outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I, I do, you know, I, I go back, Chris, to uh, I was telling somebody the other day about how, like, I learned a lot uh, back back when we were together in that 98, 99 time frame, when I got to see uh, Gary Gate practicing, uh, you know, and, and people obviously see him on the field scoring goals and making plays. And but I, I don't I don't think they really had any idea. I, I never had any idea how how diligent he was, how uh, precise he was in his practice. Uh, the amount of time he's spending against a wall is stick through the most gorgeous passes. I mean, you could give that stick to a six year old beginner and they would throw strikes. Uh, but that was always important with him. And like the care of those details. What were the significant lessons that, that you picked up from playing alongside a Gary or a Marichek or a Johnny Tavares or, or others that you mentioned for the, for the Blazers? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys are my heroes, to be honest with you. And just I would watch every little detail they would do from the stringing of the sticks, how they would string the sticks. You know, for Gary, it was sort of that bent handle. Um, when he would get new equipment, he would he would be like, hey, Panos, you, you want this? I'm like, yeah, I want that. I want to use it. And, uh, you know, it's just watching videos, trying to emulate guys and just literally slowing down video frame by frame. Like, how did he fake to the short side and then stick it to the far side? And I would like stop it and freeze it and then just try to like do that in the mirror and just really like I was in awe of those guys. Despite being teammates, it's like it's like being teammates with like a Michael Jordan where it's like you're my teammate. And I love you and I'll do anything for you. But I'm like, I need to find all the secrets out I possibly can because this guy's incredible and I, I want to be like him. So I was like I was just excited to just be able to be at practice all the time and be playing on a line with him. I think he had probably one of his best seasons in 98. So I would just be a part of that. Every Everything about him and, and his brother. And it's just, uh, and Johnny T and just all those guys that I play with. I have nothing but respect and admiration for those guys. Yeah, no, it, it's special. Uh, you know, not all, obviously the, the, the pro, people assume the pros are just good, but there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, Jesse Hubbard was always getting to practice early and, 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 and shooting uh, Kip folks was, was, was training like, like a monster, you know, everyone had their calling card and they, and they, they, they played to it. And, and that's what I try to convince, you know, your high school and, and, and young players. It's like, you know, find your strengths, play to them. Uh, but, but you got to go after it. You know, I, I think kids who show up for these events and expect to have success, it's like the events, just a small portion. It's a small portion of what you got to do. Like, how, do you see a work ethic? Are you trying to develop a work ethic there uh, uh, that is uh, like a professional level? A hundred percent. I mean, we show up early, high level of accountability, um, you know, making sure everything's uniform in terms of our apparel and how we approach things. Um, yeah, it's extra work. We call it edge training, trying to get the extra edge. Um, it's like outside of the normal practice stuff that we do and the lifting and all that. It's like you got to do more because everybody does like the, the, the basic stuff. It's like you got to do the extra, extra stuff, whether it's film, skill development, fitness. It, it could be it could be sports medicine related rehab, you know, physical therapy, like all those things to be a high level performance elite. I mean, I tell these guys all the time, basically how I would. It's like you got to be a student of the game and then you got to you got to know the game and then you got to prepare your body, mind and soul to prepare for for battle. Um, and at that fragile age of, you know, 17 to like 21, it's like, we're trying to get that to be a consistent, uh, you know, a consistent thing that we do on a daily basis, hourly basis to, to lock into whatever you're doing and then do it really well. And then check that off and then go to the next thing in your calendar and like, do it really well. And if you come up short, you know, you bounce back, but we want to make sure that we're stacking those really good days. And, and when you go to bed, sort of like, Hey, like I look in the mirror, like I, I did a great, I did a great job today. And, and that doesn't mean you're going to get minutes. It just means I did a great job and I did everything I needed to do to be successful. And, and you will be, if you, if you do that on a, on a daily basis. Finish up with uh, what's your field like? Sure. You know, great, great facility. It's sort of nestled in, um, you know, it's, it's a good setting. Um, you know, we had a really good turnout for our Friday. It was a whiteout. So it was a pretty fun experience. And obviously, you know, we got a lot of kids in the community, a lot of youth programs. So I think as we continue to roll this out, um, that we won't have another home game. So I believe March 18th. So that gives us about, you know, two, three weeks to kind of just mark it up. Hopefully we can steal a win uh, this Sunday and then kind of rally. We'll be heading up to, uh, to Goucher to play Wagner on the 25th, uh, which will be a unique neutral site experience. So you, you're reaching out to, to local clubs, local high schools, and, and trying to make uh, make you guys uh, kind of the center of, of, of Charlotte College lacrosse, I would guess. 
Oh yeah. You know, I mean, between, you got the Carolina miners, you got team Carolina, uh, team 91, and then obviously all the school, the high schools, plus all of the nice private schools as well. Yeah. Charlotte Catholic. And then teams as far North as Lake Norman, you know, 30 minutes away. There's a lot of really good lacrosse down here. Um, so we're just excited to now give kids an opportunity to see what the next level looks like and have the fans and the kids at halftime with the sticks and everything that goes along with that. Queens head coach, Chris Panos. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck in the A sun. Good luck on Sunday at Hampton. I think that game's on ESPN plus, uh, as Queens, uh, takes, takes a D one lacrosse Queens and Lindenwood, the new faces. And, uh, so glad to catch up with you, Chris, uh, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, talking about those old days with the Thunder. It was uh, a special, special time uh, to have so many great lacrosse players, uh, you know, in in one little area together. Yeah, I appreciate you, Quinn. And, you, and I've been following you for a long time. I see you on the sidelines and you're an outstanding reporter and journalist. And uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to, to catch up with you and, and an honor to know you. We're trying. Thanks. Chris Panos was our guest today. Queens head coach. we got to support the Royals this season.